Joel, and come. And I don't bite, so you can come closer. We are so glad that you are all here this morning. Because each one of you is a special, special person. And we trust as you go and learn a little bit more about God and His Word, that you will see how special you really are. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each one of these children, that you've made each one special. And we are so glad that they are here. And we just pray that by your Spirit, you will touch each one of their hearts, and that they will give themselves to you and learn more about you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Okay, you can go to Rise and Shine. want to be in prayer for Pastor Mary as she's on a study leave right now and she's accomplishing her tasks that she has set before her and also some rest and rejuvenation and that God will bring her safely back to us. We also want to be in prayer for members of our staff. I'll be kind of holding the fort here, but the rest of the staff will be going to Midwinter Conference and Mary will meet them uh, there. And so just be in prayer for safe journeys, for times of inspiration and filling. Uh, Be in prayer for our staff regularly. Do you remember, your mind is going to all those memory banks right now, which drawer is he going to go in? Do you remember the last time that you jabbed yourself or cut yourself, you know, cut your finger, maybe with slicing vegetables or something like that, or maybe it was a needle prick or got something stuck underneath your fingernail? Hurts, doesn't it? You all remember, some of you went, I heard it. What happens when we do that to ourselves? Well, several things. First of all, you kind of just grab for it. It's just almost instinctive you grab for it, which is actually a principle of first aid that you apply a tourniquet there to cut off the blood supply. And a lot of times you kiss it or suck on it and get the blood out, even when it's not quite there yet, but the pain has already registered and you are responding the way that God made you. And there's a message that's going on. You have a little nerve ending inside your finger, several of them actually, and uh, those nerve endings have sent a message up to your brain to say, ouch! And you react. You respond immediately to that brain's pain center and the messages it's sending. And inside, your body's reacting also. It's sending some coagulants there so you don't lose too much blood. It's sending some antibodies and the white uh, soldier cells down there to fight any infection and whatnot. All of this is happening. And as gruesome as that may seem, just imagine for a moment that your brain had not received any such message. No pain, no ouch, no nothing. In fact, you didn't even know anything happened until you see the blood drip and wondering where it's coming from. You don't feel a thing. You put your hand over a candle and it doesn't hurt. And of course, for us, we know what we do. We call our doctor. We get it checked out immediately. But if this had happened 2,000 years ago, in the time of Christ, well, 
For one thing, you'd have had a pretty good idea of what was going on as you looked at your chalky-colored appendages. And you wouldn't have had a doctor to go to. There's one word that would leap to your mind over this disease, and that is the word leprosy. Yeah. Leprosy, the most terrifying medical world, that word that could be pronounced during Jesus' time. A word that we've come to associate with people like Father Damien, who did his work on Molokai Island, um, or of Mother Teresa and her work with the uh, leprosy patients in India, or Dr. Paul Brandt, who co-wrote this book with Philip Yancey, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, and his work for years among uh, people with leprosy in India and research for healing for that dread disease. It's caused by a bacterial infection, and it's treatable and seldom fatal today, but in Jesus' day, it caused severe disfigurement. Your fingers or your nose or your ears would get infected and could literally drop off. It becomes more and more invasive and more and more gruesome. And as these body parts would fall off, you would be susceptible to other infections. And while people didn't normally die from leprosy, they often died from the complications of leprosy. You and I, we'd go to our doctor. In Jesus' time, that person would be reticent to tell anybody about this because it meant a life sentence incarcerated in a leper colony or community outside of town, banished from all your normal activities, from all your normal relationships. It was a sentence to a life of isolation, to a life of despair, to a life of rejection, of hopelessness. A sentence without likelihood of parole. Think about it. Just think about it for a moment. Banished. You'd be out in the outskirts of town in caves or makeshift dwellings. No contact with outsiders, with family and friends that you're so used to having good times with. If you were in the community, you would have a bell. And you'd have to ring that bell anytime you were in public and say, Unclean! Unclean! Warning people around if you were in the proximity. Because they could not touch you, they could not be near you, or they would also be unclean and become banished. There's many Bible references to people with leprosy and the various rules surrounding people who are afflicted with that disease. But imagine if you can. Imagine if you can what that would be like. Let's pray. God, as we open your word this morning, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would reach out and touch us, even as you touched this man 2,000 years ago, that we would sense your healing touch in us. So open our ears, our eyes, our minds, but most importantly, our hearts, to hear what you want to speak to us this morning. In your name, amen. Imagine it. The loneliness. The rejection. Never to feel your mate's touch or your mom and dad's embrace. And with that backdrop, 
we read our text in Mark chapter 1 this morning. And let me just reread a portion of it. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. And he reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, Jesus said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Put yourself in the leper's sandals for a few moments this morning. You hear about this man, this man named Jesus. You're hearing about some of the rumors that are spreading about miracles he's doing. He casts out demons. He raises feverish women to health. He helps heal paralyzed servants by a touch of his hand or by the word of his mouth. Imagine the leper's thoughts. Ah, yeah, sure. There's miracles, but then there's miracles. I'm beyond hope. Cure a fever? Sure. But a man with leprosy? Put appendages back on that have fallen off? Give feeling and sensations back? Restore to me a sense of community and relationship? This leper we know about, but there must have been scores of other lepers in these colonies, probably thinking similar things. Could it be? Could it possibly be? But, lot of risk to acting on our thoughts. How was this leper going to get close enough to Jesus in the first place? Remember the crowds? Remember that he was unclean? Imagine the leper trying to get through the crowd, ringing his bell, unclean, unclean. The people pulling back in horror. You can almost hear the inhale. (laughs) as this gauze-wrapped, unclean person expressing revulsion and rejection and anger that this man should even be out of his colony where he belongs. But he thinks to himself, you know, on the other hand, on the other hand, you ever done that? You know, well, there's this, but on the other hand, went and saw a fiddler on the roof, and Tavia does that, you know, where he's debating how to make this choice. Well, there's this, but on the other hand, there's this and that. And I can see this leper doing this, that. What do I have to lose? A great act of courage by that leper. I can imagine him saying, if I got a chance, I got to take it. I just have to. And picture the scene. In Matthew's account, it says there were crowds all around. It's a frenzy all around Jesus. And all of a sudden, enter the leper. The silence is broken with the bell and his shouts of unclean and the gasps of horror and disdain of this man being in their presence. Can you hear it? Can you picture the scene? The sea of people kind of part the way to stay out of his way as he comes and he kneels before Jesus. Total humiliation. says in Luke's account of this story that he came and he put his face in the dirt, his face to the ground, and he pleaded with Jesus. And he speaks, if you will, if you choose to, you can make me clean. Do you find anything interesting about his request? It 
it's not a request. It's not a question. He doesn't ask for a thing. What's he do? He makes one of the most profound affirmations of the sovereignty of Christ in the gospel as he declares Jesus Lord. If you will. It's not a matter of whether he can or not. It's if you will. We're going to be having a service of prayer and healing on Ash Wednesday. You might want to circle that on your calendar. You might know of somebody that needs to be here for that evening. And I would pray that you would have the courage to invite them to come, to ring the bell, so to speak, for them, and that we would part the way so that they could come and be involved. What a witness to Jesus' authority and power. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about that, that when we see Jesus, we see authority. Today, we see how he uses that authority. We see Jesus as the healer. You probably heard it in our songs that we sang as we worshiped our God. If you will, I I wish I knew why God doesn't heal all that we ask. I don't have an easy answer for you or any kind of a pat cliche. Why, when we pray so fervently? Why, when we fast and pray? Why, when we anoint and lay hands? But nothing appears to be happening. But I wish I knew why it doesn't always happen. But as I read this brief text, I find some great power, some great peace and comfort in the prospect of claiming this as an opening to my prayers in times of crisis or disease or confession. Times of great need in my life or in the lives of others that I care for and care about. And if we began with God, if you choose, if you will, you can do this great thing. I wonder how it would set us free to receive what God wants to give us. To begin as this leper did, humbly before God, proclaiming God's power and God's authority first. What is it in your life now that you have refused to believe that your God can change? What is it in your life or the life of this church that we just can't leave up to God to guide us through? Jesus, it says in the text, reached out His hand. He reached out his hand. Jesus was filled with, and it's interesting, the translations in the NIV and TNIV, it's it's got that Jesus was indignant. And it's probably not the most helpful. Uh, The Greek word there is a little bit nebulous and interpreted several different ways, and indignant is one way. Uh, But probably the more common way, and many other translations have this, is that Jesus was filled with pity or compassion. It's the Greek word schlagsnois wonderful word. You know what it means? It literally means your guts, your bowels. You know, we use the expression, and we're coming up on Valentine's Day here, that I love my mate from the bottom of my heart. Love dub, love dub, love dub. No, it's not really what we mean. We mean it's from the core, the center of our being. And schlagsnois means bowel, and in the time of biblical times, that's what it meant, was from our gut. 
from the very depths of who we were, and they thought that was kind of the operation center. I kind of like it because I like food, so I just... I love you from my schlag noise. So you can all do that on Valentine's Day. <clears throat> but that was about as deep as you could tell somebody you love them. Jesus was moved from his bowels, from his God, from the very core of his being with compassion, with pity for this person who dared to come, ringing his bell, declaring unclean into the very presence of the Lord of the universe. Oh, that we would today, as a culture, feel as easily and deeply about the pain and the injustices around us. Instead of becoming calloused and hardened. There's so much media and radio and Twittering and TV and newspaper and all that we hardly notice or give thought anymore to often what is going on around us. Just a few weeks ago, in Newtown, Connecticut, an incredible tragedy. In my years in youth ministry, I would cry for the students and for the families, the plight of today's young people. It grabs my soul. It grabs my gut. What of their families? What of their futures? What of a culture in which this kind of thing happens with impunity? Jesus, moved to his core, reaches out and he touches this man. I don't know about you. Did you get it? Did you get it? Jesus reaches out to touch this man. What was it this man needed more than anything else? I believe it was human touch. He had been ostracized from the community, from all relationships that were common to him. From being held, from hand-holding, from kissing, from all of the things we do to express care for one another. Does Jesus have to touch him? No. We've seen a lot of other times when he just spoke a word. Or the centurion's servant was healed long distance. He didn't have to touch him. But what do you think would be the most meaningful thing to this unclean, rejected, banished human being? Jesus had to touch this person. And even before the healing began, ooh, the healing began. The leper thought, hmm, somebody who doesn't find me repulsive. Someone who isn't turning away from me in disgust and horror. Somebody actually willing to reach out and to touch me. Think about it. The oddball kid at school. Picked on, made fun of. High school lunchroom can be a cruel place. And this oddball sits down at the table and everybody else gets up and leaves. I was that oddball in high school. That literally happened. Think about the people with AIDS. The unlovable person at work. The obnoxious, weird person in your neighborhood. The handicapped beggar or table waiter that ministers to you, but you are kind of 
Will it reply? Will you reach out? Will you touch? Jesus touched. And He said to him, I am willing. I am willing to heal you. And did you read, if you remember my sermon from a couple of weeks ago, what was one of Mark's favorite words? Euthus is the Greek for it. What's it translated? Anybody remember? Immediately. When did this healing happen? Immediately. Can you imagine this man with the crowd looking on, taking off the bandages of cloth that he had been, the stubs and stumps becoming fingers and toes and nose and ears again, and instead of the chalky white, now he is pink and alive. Sensations returning to his fingertips. Can you imagine that leper? Can you imagine the crowd? And then in verse 43, Jesus said something weird. He says, don't say a word. Don't say a word. Now, we may think it went something like this. You know, hey, my day timer, oh, it's kind of full right now. I've got a lot of people and appointments lined up, speaking engagements all around the Sea of Galilee. And, you know, if you spread this word to every leper in Palestine here, I'll, I'll be busy running a leper uh, sanatorium here. And, uh, well, I'm just really kind of busy right now. So just kind of keep it to yourself between you and me, you know. Just... But here in our text, it says he sent him away. And in one of the, uh, the accounts, it says, with a strong warning, or in the Greek, a stern admonition. In Luke, it says, Jesus ordered him, charged him, not to say a word. And in the Greek, this is another one of those words that's a little bit difficult to, uh, to translate and what would have been meant here in this context. Literally, the word means to snort or to growl. So it might have been something more like, don't. Don't you say a word. Lots of theories of why Jesus might have handled it this way. Maybe it was because the crowds gathered there because they wouldn't understand. Or, or maybe it was that he was not ready yet to reveal the messianic truths of God's kingdom. Galilee down to the temple in Jerusalem, about a 70-mile walk. That's kind of a long ways, and this guy's sharing all the way down there. Uh, maybe all that publicity wouldn't be the best thing. Why was it? I wonder a little bit if it was Jesus in his humanity, his experiencing the human part that he experienced as he identifies with us all, that he couldn't take all the pain of seeing the tremendous need head on. I don't know. We don't know. The text doesn't reveal. But what's interesting to note is what this guy's response is. Don't tell anybody anything. A lot of us, when we come to Christ or when we hear the pastor say we should be sharing with others and so on, we wish the pastor would say, don't tell anybody. Because we're doing that pretty good right now. You know? I'm going to tell you, you tell somebody. But what's this guy do? Well, Mark chapter 1, verse 45, we have Paul Harvey's the rest of the story because it says instead of doing what Jesus told him to do, he goes off blabbing, basically diarrhea of the mouth. He just tells because he couldn't stop himself from telling. It's exciting news. It's fantastic. It's incredible, man. I've got to tell somebody. And he told everybody. 
I can imagine his first thought was probably the leper colony. Hey, Mordecai, look at me. Mordecai, look at this. You recognize me? It's your old leper pal, Zedekiah. Here, look at these hands, man. Pick as a baby's behind. Oh, life. Can you imagine 75 miles of that as he went down to fulfill his commitment and offer a sacrifice to the temple in Jerusalem? You think that after such an, a miracle, that if that miracle maker had told me not to say anything, that I might have done what he said. You know? Think about it. You ladies that are married, when you got that ring on your finger, and how your hand all of a sudden became lighter than air, floating underneath people's noses, you know? Yeah? Or when you passed the boards, or you graduated from a level of education, or you got your SATs back and you were pleased with the score, or you got the certificate, or when you got that award of that first place blue ribbon, or your medical test came back with a clean bill of health, or you were pregnant with your first child. I can remember when DJ was born, my first child, and they called her grandmother, my mother-in-law, just to fill her in on the news that Don had been born. And my mother-in-law said to me, Bill, this is the most dirty trick you've ever pulled on me. You see, she was born on April Fool's Day, and <clears throat> Grandma thought I was yanking her string. But in fact, our daughter was born on April Fool's, and we tried not to do April Fool's jokes out of respect to her. But you know, that first baby, it's exciting news you got to share with somebody. This was one happy leper. Are you one happy Christian? When we sang our first hymn, Come, Christians, join us sing. Later hymn, Shout it from the mountains. Is that how we live our life in Christ? Are we so grateful for God's healing touch in our hearts and in our lives that we want to share it with other people? How is God renewing us to share good news? Are you grateful people for what God is doing? Are you gratitude full to your Lord? How can we recapture that newness of life in Christ, that healing touch of Jesus, that freshness of faith that is revitalized within us? Let me give you some clues of how I experience God. I experience Him in my prayer life when I talk with Him. And when I allow Him to talk back to me. I experience Him in Bible study, being involved in a small group or in a Sunday school class where I can understand more about His Word, more about His teaching, actually more about Him because it's His love letter to us. I don't know about you, but I can remember those days when I was dating. You get a love letter in the mail. What do you think I did? Do you think I stuck it in my pocket and I'll get to it sometime? No way, man. Open that sucker up. Pull it out. Look at it. I remember once I got from a girl from one of those letters that went in circles. I'm sitting there reading it all around right to the very center and it was a heart. <laughs> and you start filling in the blanks. You know, you add to that letter, oh, what did she mean by this? What did she mean by that? Oh, oh, wow. We find out she didn't mean it, but <laughs> God does His love letter. Don't have to fill in the blanks. He does mean it. 
I find refreshment in serving my Lord and doing things for people. We had an opportunity last weekend. I went up to Everett to be with my wife, and on Friday night we uh, went over and brought dinner to uh, a a local pastor who had neck surgery, and uh, she's recovering from that. And uh, so brought dinner to them and spent an evening with them. And it was wonderful. Wonderful. I find refreshment in sharing good news with the lost, with those who don't know God yet. The joy of giving out of all the abundance that God has given me and being able to give back and to be generous, to be hospitable with the resources God has given me. How about you? God, help us to observe your healing touch. Your freshness of faith enliven in us by your Spirit. That we may desire to share you and share what you do for us and how you have blessed us and how you reach into our lives, how you touch us when we're seemingly unlovable. We pray that we will experience an attitude of gratitude and generosity and spread your good news throughout our city and our world. And Lord, now as we receive the tithes and the offerings as the ushers wait on us, give us a spirit of generosity as we give to you. We pray this in your name. him let me touch jesus so that others may know and be blessed so this is our rehearsal and then i'll start this song oh to be his hand extended reaching out reaching out Let 
stand as, as we sing a blessing. This is something right out of the Bible. It's Aaron's blessing. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and keep you in perfect peace. And so this is an echo. We're going to do this um, in the Sundays to come, but Aaron placed the blessing of God upon the people of God. And so that's what we are doing today to each other is we are placing the blessing of God, the blessing of Yahweh on his people. So if you
you would echo and that at the very end when we say may he keep you in perfect peace we will sing together may the lord bless you and keep you feeling in the need of prayer, there will be some prayer people up here in the front as we dismiss. Feel free to come up and we'll pray with you. So, let's serve the Lord. <laughs> 